You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Today I want to minister uh, to you on the topic of of the view of the top. And last week I started talking about how to stay highly motivated. I'm going to show you that if you lose the view of the top, you'll lose the motivation you need in your life. How many know you need motivation to develop a good relationship with your spouse? You need motivation to develop your skills and, and, and abilities in your career. You need motivation to press into the things of God and grow spiritually. And so I'm going to show you in the word of how to do that. In Proverbs, it says this. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or I could say it this way. Where there is no view of the top, people perish. You have to be able to see the victory that God has provided for us, the promises, the graces, the mercies, the benefits, the bonuses spiritually that God gives us in order to keep these motivations alive in your life. And so maybe you're here today and you're very little motivated. I'm going to stir you up today. Amen. Because once you hear the truth, it'll change you. And I I want you to look up at the screen at Psalms 103. And this is what we looked at last week, but there's still more to cover with it. It says, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all of our iniquities who heals all of our diseases, who redeems our life from destruction and crowns us, come on, with loving kindness and tender mercies and satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Can someone give God praise right now? That's good preaching. Now, I want you to notice he mentions not to forget all the benefits. How many know that sometimes in some churches, they don't teach all the benefits because it's not convenient. There's people that have been disappointed, and so a lot of pastors hold back from teaching all the benefits because not everybody is partaking of all of them. But here at the church, we do. Amen. Wherever you're at, I want to tell you the benefits of God. And it starts out and says, who forgives all of our iniquities. See, there's only one sin that God doesn't forgive, and it's called blasphemy against the Spirit. In other words, anyone that would degrade or, or speak evil of the Holy Spirit who's presenting Jesus to them, it's called an impartable sin. It's not forgiven this lifetime or the life to come. But that's only because if you don't get saved, you can't be forgiven of all your sins. Amen? But all your sins are forgiven in Christ when you come to him. And then he goes on and he says, who heals all your diseases. Say all. All would include all, wouldn't it? Even the ones in the day that we live in. Amen. In Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, it talks about the curse of the law and it talks about all these different diseases. And it says, even the ones that are not written in the book are covered in the Bible. In other words, they may not have been a disease back then, but it's a disease right now. And the blessing has the power to overcome whatever disease it is that you're facing in your life. 
Now let me give you some teaching here for a moment. If you listen carefully, it will set you free. This is in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 5. It says this, surely, say surely. surely. Now there was no doubt about it. He bore our griefs. If you look at the cross reference, it says he bore our sicknesses and carried our pains. Can you say amen? amen. And, it says, and it says in the next verse, it says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity, which, by the way, is generational curses. And it says he was chastened for us. And then at the end it says this, so that by his stripes we were healed. And the prophet Isaiah, when he says that, understand how he says it. He says it talking about the future. Peter addresses the same verse in 1 Peter 2.24, and he says, by your stripes we were healed. In other words, it's an accomplished fact. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid for your sins, and he paid for the price of your sicknesses on the cross. Can you say amen, everybody? And so it says, surely he has bore our griefs or sicknesses and carried our diseases. And in the New Testament, in Matthew 8, chapter verse 17, it said the same thing. It said, this is in Greek, he says, himself took our infirmities and carried our diseases or sicknesses. Can you say amen, everybody? In other words, it's provided in the atonement. When you got saved, your salvation package has a medical uh, insurance policy in it. In other words, medical comes with your salvation. Healing comes with your, come on church, it comes with it. <clears throat> and so whatever you're going through today, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad because you haven't got healed yet. We've all been in boats like that. I'm telling you that it's provided. Just stand in faith for it. And God will help you get out of the weakness that you're in into the blessings of God. When you come to church, it isn't just spiritual. It's also physical. God wants to give you health. He wants to prosper you. He wants to bless you in many different ways. Now, I love in the psalm it says this. It says that he redeems our life from destruction. And then it says this. Uh, that he gives us or he crowns us or surrounds us, the word crown means surround, with loving kindness and tender mercy. Say tender mercies. Now that's very significant. Tender's mercies is, see, mercy is something that you receive many times. You don't deserve it, but it's something you need right now or you're going to be in a whole lot of hurt. Amen? But let me give you a... Uh, let me explain it to you from this standpoint. Let's say you're out in a boat, and it's just a little tiny boat. You're fishing. All of a sudden, this hurricane comes in, and you know that the boat will get sunk with that hurricane. So you pray, God, help me. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that hurricane, and I, I forbid it to, 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 to get over my boat. And God answers that prayer, gives you mercy, and you're able to sail back into the harbor before the hurricane hits. Amen? Spared your life. That's one type of mercy. But what if you're just on vacation down in California, or maybe you're down in Maui or someplace tropical, and the weather is lousy, 
And you said, Lord, we didn't fly all this way to be in the rain. We flew all this way to be in the sunshine. Lord, I'm just praying that you hold that bad weather back so I can sit on the beach and get my tan. How? <clears throat> That's the tender mercies I'm talking about. So the tender mercies are even the most insignificant things that we would think are not really necessary, but yet God is interested even in the small things. Amen? One of the things I love to do every morning is have a latte. My, I've been making lattes for my wife for 50 years. Well, maybe not that long. But a long time I've been making lattes for. It's just a little thing. God wants to bless you with little things, not just big things in your life. You can go to the throne of grace and you can receive those tender mercies from God. And God can bless you with, a come on, earth-shaking, overtaken blessings. In fact, there's a type of this in the Old Testament. When Israel was going to the promised land, God said to me, he says, I'm going to bring you to a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, why does he say milk? And why does he say honey? Because milk is a necessity. Honey is a nicety. In other words, I'm going to bless you not, with all, with not only the necessities of life, I'm going to put you in homes you did not build. I'm going to give you wells you did not dig. I'm going to give you vineyards that you did not plant. I'm going to give you all the necessities to survive. But I was also going to give you some niceties in your life. Hallelujah. Isn't that good that God wants to do that in your life? In fact, in the Psalms, it says this. It states that the young lions suffer hunger. But those who fear the Lord shall not like any good thing. And I love that. If you know anything about lions, I did a little research on this. The young lions, many times, the ones that have not yet been trained to hunt down game, yet they're too small, they're pups. Those suffer hunger many times in the wilderness. Because the parents, the lioness and the male, they will go out and they will hunt and they will kill something. And they will eat first before they give to the children. So if they don't have enough, the children go without. So they're, they're hungry. In other words, the, the, they, they know in nature that if you don't keep, if they don't stay strong, the ability to hunt is gone and everybody perishes. And so there's those seasons when there's droughts where the young ones suffer hunger. And what David is saying, listen, God's not like that. He never has an insufficiency. He never says, oh, by the way, there's not enough prosperity around to give to you. By the way, there's no resources here on the earth to help you in this situation. Oh, by the way, I'd like to help you out, but it's going to have to be another 10 years before I bless you. No, God says, I am all sufficient. None of my young lions have to suffer hunger. Those who fear the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Come on, church. <clears throat> but that's what he's talking about in that text. Now, he goes on and he makes this statement. He says that God will satisfy your mouth with good things. Now, let me tell you what that is not saying. It's not saying that God will give you all the peas and the corn and the steaks and the hamburgers that you want. It means the word mouth, it's used for the bridle of a horse. In other words, whatever you exercise constraint in, out of your mouth, I will satisfy you with that. Good things. To give you an example, we had the Salem's here two weeks ago. And many of you know this, but uh, Cheryl, she became Miss America. 
But what you don't know, some of you don't, is that when she was a young child, God had obviously made that known to her, and she told everybody, I'm going to be Miss America. Now, she's just a child, and as she grew up, grew up, I imagine some of the teachers said, now, you know, not everybody gets that. Don't get your hopes up too high. But she kept it confession in her mouth. Amen? And then later, uh, when she was older, she got in an auto accident, which from natural standpoints would appear that she could never be Miss America, but she wouldn't let it out of her mouth. She kept saying it and saying it and saying it until eventually she won the, uh, uh, she won the pageant. Can you say Amen. That's what he's talking about here when he says that he will satisfy your mouth. Start saying right now, my later days are better than my former years. Start saying right now, I have more than enough with plenty left over. Start saying it right now, no matter what you go through, don't you let go of that because you can have what you say when you're saying something that's God's will. <clears throat> But that's, that's what that text is talking about. Now, I want you to see the magnitude of this because he says that he will satisfy your, your mouth with that. But he also says he'll renew or he, he will renew you like the eagles. Remember the eagles go up in the mountains and they'll molt and the feathers fall out and they get new feathers? Some of you are old and you need some new feathers. You need some more strength. You need some more vibrancy in your life. Come on, everybody. I mean, now you look at me like a dog in a new bone as if it's not possible. I'm telling you that your mouth can be satisfied at the same time renew your body. Okay, let me prove it to you. Remember the scriptures talk about Abram? Abram was almost 100 years old. His wife was 90. When the Lord came to him and spoke to him and said, all right, I want you to change your confession. Your name's going from Abram to Abraham. Sarai to Sarah. I want you to change your confession. I want you to declare you are the father of a multitude when you got no children at all. He did that for three months and he not only got his wife pregnant, his wife reversed the process of menopause in the wife. And it wasn't just reversing menopause. It was also making her young again. If you read on in the scriptures, you will find that at 91 years old, she was embraced by two kings that wanted to bring her into her harem. Now, you don't get the hots for, how do I say this? <laughs> Let me just say, 90 years old, she's a knockout. I said a knockout. Well, she came in the room and goes, whoa, baby, where'd you come from? That was supernatural. Because at 90, you don't usually look that good. But she looked good. You know why? Because her faith not only satisfied her, her faith renewed her health. Get, come on, everybody. That's exciting. <clears throat> we know that's true because of Caleb. Caleb, you remember he had to wait 40 years because of the unbelief of everybody else? 
And he says to Joshua, once they got, got ready to go into the promised land, he said, I'm as strong as I was 40 years earlier as I am right now. I'm 80, I'm 85, and I am able now, I'm as strong as I was when I was 40. I've been telling my wife that for years. I'm as strong as I was. <laughs> the idea that I want you to see is simply this. When you believe in vision, believe what God has for you. He, rev he revives you. He will strengthen your body if you need. And the Bible says that with long life, I will satisfy you. In other words, if you're not satisfied with where your life is right now, then keep believing for more. Say, Lord, I'm not ready to die yet. I still got things to accomplish. I still got things to do. Lord, I'm just believing right now. You're going to give me the strength for it. He said he would satisfy you. If you're not satisfied, then stick around. If you're satisfied, then say, hey, go on be on with the glory. But if you're not satisfied, just ask the Lord to help you with strength and, and give you what you need in your life. And you know what else is powerful about this? You know how old Abraham was when he died? Take a guess. 175 years old. Sarah died after she had had the child after many years later. Uh, and he remarried and had more children. Obviously, the plumbing was still working. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you, 175 years old, that's pretty good. And here's the good news. Galatians 2, or excuse me, 3.29 says this. It says, if you are Christ, you are Abraham's seed and heirs of the promise of God. So everything that was promised to Abraham has promised us. I don't think you believe it. If you really believed it, you would shout hallelujah and say praise God. Come on, it's yours. Now, it's all obtained, obviously, through faith and there's other conditions to be met, but the, the reality is these promises are available to us. And here's one that I love. You'll find this in Genesis 13 too. And when I preach this, some people might turn me off, but it's okay. I'll turn you back on with faith. Amen? It says that Abraham was, a, was very, say very, very rich in cattle, silver, and gold. Now, why would he say very rich cattle, silver, and gold, because he wanted you to know he wasn't just rich spiritually. He was rich outwardly. In other words, God gave him more than enough of the plenty left over so he could bless other people. Hallelujah. And I understand you've got to be careful with the love of money, but the love of money is when you hoard up money. But if you're a giver, you never have that problem. A giver always has, see, when Jesus said, don't lay up for yourself treasures uh, on earth, He's telling them for, for this reason. If you put all your confidence in what you have here, you won't get to keep coming. But if you have your confidence in your giving and you're giving unto the Lord, giving that, you always got a constant flow of increase coming in your life from heaven. Heaven is not affected by the economy. So if I'm loaded in heaven, there's no situation in my life I can't get the resources I need. So a giver is always in a position where they always have more than enough because they always have more coming in. Remember what Paul said? If you give sparingly, you get a sparingly return. If you give bountifully, you get a bountiful return. Jesus said, give and it shall be given to you. Press down to get the running over. Shall men give to you. If you don't have an abundance, how can you give an inheritance to your children's children? Okay. I don't want to camp out on that, but I want you to see that. 
that that is part of the promises of God that God wants you to have. Now, how many here are ready for another blessing that Abraham had? Genesis 12.2 says this. God says, I'm going to make your name great. And I'm going to cause you to become a blessing. You know what that means? It means that God is going to promote Abraham to such a degree that he has a reputation. His fame would go out. People would recognize him. God wants every Christian to prosper and be in such great success that even after they die, people go, yeah, I heard of that family. They love God. I heard of that family. They built that church. I heard of that family. Yeah, they followed God all their life, and they did this and this and this. He wants Christians to be promoted to a place that the world will look at them and go, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought the only way you could get there is if you cheated and steal and compromised, but they didn't do that. They loved God. They were generous. They did this. God wants that for every believer. And many of you know mothers like that. Raised five children. They're all serving God. And people go, my mom, she's just something else. She's famous in my eyes. She's famous in our, uh, in our grandchildren's eyes because of how faithful she was. God desires that for every person. Let me give you an example. Psalms 112, 6 says, uh, if a righteous man, or he says, a righteous man shall be remembered forever. Uh, Proverbs 1.10 says, a memory of a righteous is a blessing. Uh, but the name of the wicked shall rot. In other words, you're famous in heaven if you follow God all of your life. If you, build, if you tear down mountains, you're going to get famous for it. Say amen. amen. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the heroes of faith, people that move mountains, people that change kingdoms, people that did all kinds of great things for God. They are recognized. Hallelujah, Jesus God wants to lift you up and exalt you and say, you stood the faith. You stood, you stood in faith, and, and my power came through. And you delivered this person and that. Oh, glory. Let, let, me, let me show you how good this is. The Bible says that those who win people to Christ will be like a light in the resurrection body. Their bodies will have more glory than ones who don't win people to Christ. And in fact, Jesus talked about that. He says, hey, when you go to heaven, they will greet you at the door. In other words, all these people you led to Christ will be waiting for your big fanfare. They'll all be waiting. Oh, there's Pastor Jack, man. We've been waiting a long time for you to come, man. You really took that long life thing seriously, didn't you? Come on in. We're excited. <laughs> Woo. Amen. Are we excited? See, right now we're trying to be famous if we're on TikTok. <laughs> right now we're trying to be famous if we got more friends on, uh, you know, Facebook. I went off Facebook. You know what went off Facebook? Because all these women started hanging their boobs out and sending me things. I said, forget about it. I'm not doing this. Listen, all that matters is what God recognizes. Not what the world recognizes but what God recognizes. And God is writing down names of people that stood in faith, writing down names of people that 
pressed in, stayed with God, that kept the view of the top in mind in their faith. They didn't let go of the greater blessings. They didn't let go of the greatest uh, breakthroughs. They didn't go, let go of the greatest compliments that God wanted. They kept their view above. Amen. They wouldn't draw back. They had a view of the top. Not the bottom. Hallelujah. And he says that you will become a blessing. Let me give you an example. If you've been married and you have a successful marriage and you love each other, I don't mean you're just putting on a front, but you really love each other, you can become a blessing to other couples that are struggling in marriage. But if you're failing at it, how can you become a blessing? If you're always broke, how can you be a blessing to others financially? You can't do it. So if you're uh, failing at your career, how can you be a blessing to others and train them? I remember when I was in construction, uh, I was in the martial arts. I was very strong, but I personally didn't know how to work construction. And I remember this old-time laborer, and he was about ready to retire, and he says, let me show you how to dig a ditch. The way you're going about it, you're going to be exhausted by the end of the day. And I remember him showing me the skill of digging a ditch. And I never knew that because he was highly trained and excellent in what he had done. Just to do it that long, you'd have to be very good at it. God wants you to become a blessing, whatever it is, in what you do. Raising children, your career, in training your wife. That did not go over. How about training your husband? Did you notice the atmosphere changed? Okay, praise God. I'm just fooling with you there. Amen. But I want you to realize this, that God never leads us from the bottom. He always leads us from the top. In other words, he's going to lead you from an overcoming position, not from a defeated position. He's going to lead you from a place of success, not a place of failure. That's why if you're hanging around with a bunch of failures, you'll never hardly ever be led by the Spirit. But you'll always be led by the Spirit when you have someone who has overcoming faith that overcomes in their life. And when you talk to them, you're going to catch that God always leads from the top down to the bottom, not from the bottom to the top. That's why in Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2, it says this. It says, have you been raised up with Christ? He said, seek those things that are at the right hand of God. And then it says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the world. In other words, I want you to grab a hold of your spiritual position. You are seated in heavenly places in power and authority. Do you understand what that means? Let, 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 me, let me approach it from this standpoint. One of the blessings of Abraham was this, same one you got, is that when he believed on Christ, God imparted his righteousness to Abram, which means whenever he came before God, God gave him access into his grace and mercy. Even when he was doing the wrong things, he still had grace and mercy, access, he could come. In other words, let me say it this way, once you get saved, you can come boldly 
to the throne of grace in your time of need. It, you don't say, all right, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and, and get my life together and I'm going to live really good for a couple weeks and then maybe then I'll be able to knock on the door and come in. No, no, the door is wide open because he imparted his son's righteousness in your life and you can come in at any time and receive the grace and mercy that you need in your life. I don't know about you, but I have those down times where I'm not the kind of person I want to be. But I can go to God and say, Lord, I come boldly before you. I've been an idiot today. I've been an idiot toward my wife. I need some grace and mercy to calm my temper here. I'm losing it. And God will help you every stink or not every, t- every time. Amen? So say it with me. God's got an everlasting love towards me. And I can come boldly to be the throne of grace every time. Every day, every moment, whether I'm good or bad, I can come to God. He is graciously open to me to help me, to empower me. Oh, glory. If that don't stir you up. There are people sitting at home right now today that should have been in church that are sitting there because they just don't believe they're good enough to go to church. And some of them are saved. But they think, well, i got to get my act together before I can start going to church. No, you got to go to, go to church, t- turn to God, ask God for help, and God will help you at that moment. He doesn't wait for the alcoholic to be cured. He doesn't wait till the drug addict to be healed. He doesn't wait until the unfaithful person to, 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 to repent. That person, if they accepted Christ, can go to God and say, I need grace to overcome in this area. I need mercy to overcome in this area. And God will press through in that. Now, let me help you with this. This will help your interpretation of Scripture. In the Bible, you'll find, particularly in Romans, there's two expressions. It talks about being in the Spirit and in the flesh. In the flesh means you're being dominated by the sin nature. In the Spirit means that's your position. That is your view of the top. You're in authority and power before God. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. When you're in the Spirit, you have a view of the top. I'm not a loser. I'm an overcomer. I'm not beneath. I'm above. That's the position that God wants you to be in because God doesn't lead from the bottom. He leads from the top in your life. Now, let me show you the power in this. You remember in the Old Testament... It was the last plague that God put on Egypt. And the plague was basically this. His death angel came down, and the firstborn would be killed. He told Israel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to put blood on the doorpost. If you study this out, you'll find that the blood on the doorpost was the sign of the cross. And then God said this. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. God doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood first. And he passes over your sin. He sees the blood of his son. He passes over. That's why the believer has no wrath from God. That's precious. That God looks at me, he sees the blood. Whew. My son's blood's on Jack. Hallelujah. I'm going to pass over this other stuff because of that. He's not destined to wrath. He's destined to blessings in my life. That's why we can come boldly into the throne of grace. Now, here's the thing about salvation. Salvation provides everything that you need. In other words, it's already complete. There's nothing you have to do to complete it. It's already done. 
in creation, remember God created everything and then man. In other words, man was created after everything was completed. And then it says that God rested. Did he rest because he was tired? He rested because it was completed. When Jesus won on the cross, he said, it is finished. Everything that you need is already provided for you in your salvation. What God wants you to do is receive it. He wants you to tap into what belongs to you. He wants you to receive what belongs to you. Oh, glory to God. That's your salvation. Now, I'm going to give you some revelation here that I got this week. It's really good. I'll write, write these two verses down. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 25 to 26, and Ephesians 1, 22 to 23. And they seem like they contradict each other until you get the, the insight into this. 1 Corinthians 15, it says this. He must reign, talking about Jesus, until all those enemies under his feet and the last enemy that is destroyed is death. How many know death is destroyed in the resurrection? Amen? But it said Jesus must reign till all of his enemies. What's an enemy? Lack, sickness, dysfunctional families, depression, fear, anxiety, hopelessness. That's an enemy. And it says that Jesus must reign until all of his enemies are under his feet. So it's talking about a process that isn't yet completed. But yet when you read the prayer in Ephesians 1, he says that God has put all things under his feet and made him head over the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So that verse in the prayer says it's already under Jesus' feet. 1 Corinthians 15 is saying it's not yet done. What's he talking about? When Jesus was raised from the dead, everything was put under his feet. But then, once the church was birthed, his body was manifested on this earth. Now, Jesus is bringing everything under the feet of the church. Everything under the feet of the believer. Everything under the, your feet. Come on. Lack is under your feet. Sickness is under your feet. Disharmony is under your feet. Depression is under your feet. Whew, I love that. And he said he must reign. Must, necessary condition. Reign until these things are put under your feet. Hallelujah. Don't you feel like dancing now? I'm going to dance over my lack. I'm going to dance over my illness. I'm going to dance over my depression. I'm going to dance over this. I'm going to dance over that. God wants it under your feet. Hallelujah. Ooh, that's powerful. Now, here's a key, and I'm going to sum this up at this point. you got to begin to see yourself the way God sees you instead of seeing yourself the way the world sees you. Ever hear people say something like this? Well, I'm past my prime. My best days are behind me. My worst days lie ahead. No, my Bible says your latter days are better than your former. He's not saying you're going to become less. He's saying you're going to become more. Amen? In other words, i got to start talking 
the way God sees me. In other words, look up there in the wall. You see that verse? Psalm chapter 1 says, You shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It said planted. He didn't say you were an accident. He didn't say you just sprouted up somewhere. God purposely planted you by the rivers of life that you might receive the Holy Spirit and that whatever you put your hand to do shall prosper. God wants you to prosper at whatever you're doing, raising children. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.